What an honor and a privilege it really is to gather together and worship together as brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm excited. Baptisms this morning, hearing of life change, it never gets old. I, 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 never, I never lose that, that, just those butterflies that I feel when I hear somebody share their story, talk about what Jesus has done in their life. And that is perfect with our series that we're starting to mo- this morning. Our new series is called Share the Stories We Tell Matter. This is the second part of a group of teachings about our key vision as a church. Build, share, and bring. Build the relationship, share the story, bring the people. Let's talk about storytelling for just a moment. There is power in telling stories. Just think about some of the most captivating stories that that you heard as a kid. Real stories. The ones of how your parents met and how your dad proposed. I love those stories. I love hearing your stories about that. War stories from a grandparent. I love when my grandpa would share stories about the Korean War and the things that he experienced during those times. Maybe it's stories of of tough times that your family lived through and and how they overcame those seasons. Or maybe you remember fictional stories, great adventures, scary tales, or romantic love stories. The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings are are my all-time favorites. But books and movies and music, they exist to tell stories, to elicit our emotions. And we all have the ones that will never forget the ones that we love. And the parables that Jesus shared so often, they were impactful, uh, they were moving and convincing stories. Jesus was a master storyteller, but he didn't just tell stories. And for those of us who know Jesus as our Savior, our personal Savior, uh, our, uh, he shared stories that had meaning and they had depth. And, and we know that based on our experience with him. And these stories had eternal implications, not just in heaven, but for right now. And so today we're going to talk about a story that we should all tell and a story that we should all retell one that is out of this world. It's not just a story of facts and data and information. It's a, it's a real life personal account of experiences and sacrifice and change and of love. I'm talking about our personal testimony. And so what's yours? Do you have a personal testimony? How did you come to know about your sin and call on Jesus to save you? And for some reason, when it comes to sharing our faith story, we don't, we don't like to do that so often. We don't, we don't share our story, our personal testimony. And, and, and there's reasons and, and uh, you know, uh, which for reasons why we can be hesitant. But why do we shy away from sharing about Jesus and his gospel? Is it because we're, we're too worried about what people may think? Is it because maybe we're too busy or maybe we don't feel equipped to do so? Or maybe you think that once you've spoken out about what Jesus has done, uh, we know that people will begin to watch us. I mean, talk about pressure, right? Or maybe we just can't see how important it really is to share the hope that we have. But Jesus sure thought this work was important. 
And there really is no better time to share this story because, as we all know, time is limited and this story matters. Now, we're going to do a lot of reading today, so I hope you have a Bible with you, or if you use a device, you're ready to go, because we're going to be reading a lot of different sections of Scripture this morning. So if you would, find Acts chapter 22 as we start this conversation together this morning. And while you find your place there in Acts 22, I want to take a moment and share a, a quick reminder of where this whole idea of build, share, and bring started. So we started back in October with the Build series, this idea of, of building a relationship and sharing the, the story of the gospel and bringing others to come and see as we studied what Jesus said to the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. And as we look at his example and what Jesus has done, we observe that and then we imitate that in our lives because we're called as Christ followers to follow Jesus and his example and so there in John 4, we see that Jesus built, he built into the relationship with the woman at the well. He asked questions. He communicated with her. He, he was invested in the moment. And then he shared what she truly needed. He shared the living water, the living hope with her, the gospel, forgiveness of sin. And then he encouraged her to bring those around her to come and see and know and experience. And she did, and many believed. So share the story. So we're going to take a minute, and we're going to read about Paul's unique story and how Jesus changed his life. He is someone who clearly believed his personal testimony about what Jesus has done for him was non-negotiable. Paul shared who he was before Jesus saved him. Look with me here at verse 1. He says, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And, then when, and when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are to this day. I persecuted this way or the Christians of the day, that's what they were referred to as, to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. Let's take a minute and just examine who was Paul. He was self-righteous. He was well-educated. He, he knew how to answer all the questions. He, he probably walked around town with a chip on his shoulder. He, was, he had arrived. He was self-righteous. He was, he was very well educated. He was a murderer of believers. Above all, he was especially zealous, he writes about himself, in this attack on the way, in persecuting Christians. A true enemy of the faith he was, and working for the evil one. He was one bad dude. You think about the movies that you watch and those stories that the movies tell, like, I, you know, being the bad guy in the movie, Paul was that guy. But as we know throughout the scripture and as we know in our own personal lives, no one is too bad 
for Jesus. I've heard that so many times while sharing the gospel with, with people who, who have yet to experience salvation. And people will say things like, I have done so many terrible things. If you really knew me, you would understand that there is no way on this planet that God could love a person like me. I've heard those words before, and so have some of you. Maybe that's part of your story. Maybe those words have come out of your mouth. When that happens, when you hear those types of stories, when you hear those types of excuses, we have a place to go every time. Because Paul was the worst of the worst. He actually says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says this about himself, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. You see, the beginning of the story, the beginning of Paul's story is who we are or who we were without Jesus. Next, Paul will share with us how God gets his attention here in verse six. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and, and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one, Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. Now don't miss it. When this happened, Paul was on his way to continue this assignment, this mission of taking out as many followers of the way that he possibly could. And God shows up. Paul's mission was, was halted because he could no longer see, he could no longer do the work that he felt was so important for him to do. And then Ananias shows up in, in his story and he shares what God wants to do in his life. And he chose to believe and then obey that plan. His whole world was changed. And sometimes that's how God works. He interrupts our plans. He interrupts your plans. And he, he gives us a new purpose. And so Paul wanted these listeners here in Acts 22 to know how he went from Christian killer to salvation proclaimer. And that's what we see in verses 14 through 16. Look at it with me. We see how Paul shares that he is now sent out to share this story. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. It's such a crazy, but yet such a powerful story. But it was Paul's story. Now hold your place in Acts 22 and turn to John chapter 9. As I mentioned earlier, 
Stories, stories matter. Jesus shared stories. The disciples, the, the writers of our scriptures, they, they shared stories. These stories have, have impact in our own lives. They have an impact in the world around us. These stories matter. Kevin Halloran says this, personal stories of transformation carry a unique weight and often do things that facts alone cannot do. Christians who thrive in evangelism tell powerful stories of how Christ's saving work has worked itself out in their lives. And this is clearly seen in the blind man in John 9 who was healed by Jesus and then testified about Christ. So start with verse 1 here in John 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse 6. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but it is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Uh Uh-oh, he's in trouble. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see the story hasn't changed. My addition there, paraphrased. Some of the Pharisees said, this is, is, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Funny. It's just funny. I'm sorry. I just, I got to pause when I read stuff like that. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and had received a sight until they called the parents of the man who had received a sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, and he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, that he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. The blind man answers, Whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. You see, the blind man's story is actually really simple. He simply believed. 
He simply believed that he was once blind and now he can see. What did he believe? That simple truth. Blindness to seeing. And Jesus was the one responsible for that. He didn't understand the Trinity. He didn't understand creation. And he didn't understand all of these things that that we talk about in the church that are important. He didn't understand why he couldn't see. He simply knew that he could now see. And that truth carried power with it. You see, when our story points to Jesus, it matters. For me, it was simple. Even though I was, I was young, I had no trouble at all believing that when my mom explained that I was a sinner and I needed Jesus to save me, I had no trouble at all believing that simple fact. With childlike faith, I believed that Jesus was who he said he was, and I believed that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, and that's all I understood. Because I was a kid. Because I didn't have a lifelong journey of studying this book behind my belt yet. Or under my belt, or behind my back, or however you word that. But since then, as I've grown up and I've grown in my faith, I have learned a lot more about him and his word. But it didn't start off like that. So as we think back to Acts 22, does our story really matter? Does your story really matter? Now we have to remember the story that we tell isn't about us. That we are just like the blind man. That we are just like the apostle Paul. Our story, it is, it is simply about what Jesus alone has done for us. That we are never the hero of our story. You are not the hero of your story. Our story can be used, though, as a tool to tell others about what Jesus has done for us. See, if you tell a story about what Jesus has done for you, you'll always be sharing truth. I didn't save me. Jesus did. And that's a story worth telling. So share who you were without Jesus. That's what we see Paul doing in verses one through five of Acts 22. Who were you before Jesus saved you? Now, I don't think any of us were killing Christians. I hope not. But we all have a before Christ history with varying degrees of shame. Maybe you're like me and you called on Jesus to save you as a child. Your story isn't invalid. Even though I don't have this pre- Jesus' life that's filled with decades of regret, I was no less lost without Jesus than the Apostle Paul. You still have a story to tell. You were still a sinner, just like Paul, the murderer, and you needed a savior. You were still separated from God by your sin. And that's something that every human in the room this morning has in common, and had in common. Whether you're Mother Teresa or Hitler, it's the same problem. It's the same issue, being separated from God because of sin. So please don't buy into the lie that you have to have this sordid past to be effective in gospel work. 
So share who you were before and without Jesus. And then share how God got your attention. That's what Paul does in verses 6 through 13. So think back to that time. How did God get your attention? It might not have been a blinding light, but maybe it was something significant. Was it a really hard season of life where everything was falling apart? Maybe it was the death of a loved one. Maybe it was a loss of a marriage. Maybe it's just a shameful, regretful experience. Just a simple need for rescue is what you felt. Whatever it was, God got your attention. And you either responded to the gospel right away, or you sat and chewed on it for a while, or you went searching for even more answers. Maybe you went on a mission seeking answers, purpose, and meaning, or you had that conversation with that Christian at work, or you went to church to see if hope could be found even in the pew. Or maybe your parents had a thriving faith, and and you finally asked them about it. How did God invade your story? Because it was him. Share that story. It matters. So share who you were without Jesus. Share how God got your attention. And always remember that everyone, all of us, we are called to share the story. Look at verse 14. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. This is right in line with what Jesus tells all of us to do. It's a Matthew 28 kind of commission and command to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel and make disciples. Ananias says in verse 16, and now why do you wait? Paul, why do you wait? And I think Ananias and Paul would say the same thing to you and to me this morning. Why do we wait? So have you shared the story? Have you shared the story? Our responsibility to share doesn't mean that we're responsible to convince our audience to believe it. That's on God to move in hearts and on the person to choose to humble themselves and accept accept that truth. But this does mean that we should strive to communicate clearly and effectively and passionately. It should be obvious that this story means something to you and to us and it has personal value and connection. Not that you're just checking something off of your box of things that you have to do as a Christian. After all, Paul spent all day often trying to convince people to follow Jesus. Just listen to what he says or what Luke writes about Paul in Acts 28. He says, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to a place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. From morning until evening, he put it into his heart to try to persuade them. Now, like I said, we can't confuse this passionate persuasion with the work that the Spirit does. We don't do heart work. That's always God's job. 
Yet we get the privilege of being a vessel, of getting a front row seat to the work of God in the lives and the hearts of people. And the memories that I have of people that Jesus has saved is so, it makes my heart smile. I mean, I I talked about that a minute ago, just seeing people be baptized. Like, it brings joy to my heart. There is no greater joy than when you hear someone share their story of how Jesus has saved them and changed them and made them new. You see, that was Paul's mission. Because when our story points to Jesus, it matters. So are you sharing a story that matters? Are you sharing a story that matters? There's one last thing to remember that we've spent many weeks covering, and that's that we have to watch how we live. Ephesians 4 reminds us to walk worthy of the calling that Jesus has given us. And Peter will challenge us to pursue holiness, to be set apart, to be different from the world. I can remember when I was a teenager, there was a phrase that was, that was used to describe, to describe this. It was called losing your testimony. Maybe you've heard that, maybe you've said that before, but I can remember my parents coming home and and telling stories of how they think they might have lost their testimony at work that day due to how they responded to a certain situation or moment with people around them who didn't know Jesus. And that could be a list of things. But I, I believe this needs to be something that we pay very close attention to. That we have to, we need to walk with Jesus and strive to please him every day where we go, what we do, how we talk, the words that we use. And yes, of course, we're going to fall and we're going to make mistakes, but our aim should be to please him alone. And that will make an impact on the people that we long to see follow Jesus. So what's your story? And what will you do with your story? Will you share what Jesus has done for you and in you? with others because everyone has a story to share. So I'm going to ask you to consider this. I want you to think back to that question that I asked earlier in this message. I want you to think back to who you were before Jesus saved you. I mean, really think about that. Maybe write that question down. Who was I before Jesus saved my life? Share that story. Really think about it. Where would you be, as the song so clearly communicated to us, where would you be today without Jesus? Where would I be without his love, without his grace, without his mercy? Because when our story points to Jesus, it matters. Once again, I want to say that we are teaching through these biblical principles right now on purpose. I'm talking about these simple things that, well, that we think are simple, yet most of us are not doing them. We're teaching on these things because we have to. That there is a mission that we've all been called to play a part in, of sharing the good news of the gospel with people who are far from God. And so if you shared your story, no matter where you are, the command is the same. No one is mature beyond 
these simple teachings. It's for all of us. It's for the pastor, the Sunday school teacher, the deacon, the trustee, and the new Christian. It's for all of us. The command is for all. So if you're faithfully doing the things that Christ has set the example for and called us to do, keep it up. I want to encourage you in that. You're doing the work of the ministry, a work that matters. If you're not, will you get in the game? Just like it was in our build series, will you build the relationship and then will you share the story? Will you share the hope that you have? Because Jesus has invaded that story and changed you. And so ask yourself, am I doing these things? Am I building relationships? Am I sharing the hope I have? Am I bringing people who are far from God to come and see what's my gospel story? Have I shared it? Will I commit to sharing it? And will I share the hope of Jesus to those who need it and need it most? I hope that you will. I hope that you are. Because that's what a gospel preaching church is all about. That's what people who are part of a gospel preaching church will be doing is the work of the ministry. So will you share a story that points to Jesus? Because it matters. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the example of Paul this morning. He could have taken a moment to communicate about anything to those who were listening. Yet he shared the simple fact that the gospel is what changes lives. That he was a sinner separated from God. He was the worst of the worst. He was, the, he was a murderer of Christians. And then God gets his attention and changes the story. So God, may we be people who are faithful to your command to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. And if we're not doing that, God, convict us. Convict our hearts and motivate us with your spirit and your word to be about work that matters. Because Jesus matters because this gospel matters. And so may we be a people who are sharing the story of the gospel because there is no greater story, there is no greater news than for people to hear that you died for them and that you'll save them. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Thank you for the example that you set. Thank you for your word that we can read and know what it is that we are called to do. Help us to do that with passion and focus and dedication. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.